You know, Frank, it's, it's sort of amazing the walks of life that these people come from and the people that we draw to this course. You know, we call them shooters, but shooting is just like a hobby, right. you know? I mean, for, for some, it's more serious than others. You had Brian, he takes it seriously. He's a uh, competitor. He's in a lot of comps or whatever. But, but the majority of them are just professionals with a uh, shooting bone, you know? It's like, they just it's wanna, like golf they, for they them. Wanna, yeah, they want to, the golfers. Okay. They're golfers. All right, they're so golfers. they want to they become better golfers. They want to become longer range shooters. Man, we had, we had cattlemen. We had veterinarians. We had coon asses from New Orleans. I don't even know what they did. I think one of them was a golf coach or something. I mean, we had PhD in mm -hmm. psychology or psychiatry. It was psychology because there's a difference between yeah. psychology and psychiatry, you see. Psychiatry is trying to put your ass in on drugs, and psychology is trying to fix you. So you guys got to know that, man. <laughs> but anyway, we had a great time. Um, um, it's just amazing what, what walks of life these guys come from, you know, so. Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hood. That's Arn Taylor, of course. Yeah, man, this was an awesome trip. I mean, Nebraska is such a great place to shoot. I mean, one, it's only three hours from the house, so that's really good. But then uh, Jake McDaniel, J&M Precision out here, the property, what he's put together. I mean, heck, even the improvements he's made, it just feeds into this experience. We've got a firm cover now. He, yep. he bought a uh, garage, long, really long, really deep. Uh, so we're not going to get wet, you know. Um, we stayed out of the sun because it was 95 yeah, the last day. stayed out of the day. sun. It was really hot. It can get hot here. You know, you wrap a cold towel around your neck and, and you're fine, basically. But uh, the improvements he's making, there was a lot more steel this time. The steel was, was uh, two, two MOA, MOA and, and one. one MOA. Awesome. I mean, it was just... The misses were fewer. The wind was trickier. Tricky. You know, tricky or trickier. Yeah, definitely. Know, it, it was a great wind learning well, experience, what, which what, we'll get what, into. What I noticed on day three, well, you want to do it now? I mean, on day no. three, what I noticed was the students were talking to each other about wind. When we cut them loose for an hour at the end of the day, they weren't just, you know, jibber jabbering back and forth. They were actually talking about Mirage. We got heavy into the Mirage because the, the targets were floating. They were floating to four, from four tenths to eight tenths. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. totally, totally. So we got all into that, and I demonstrated that to him. How, well, I mean, how we should down. almost break that down a second because we do see it in Alaska as well. So let's almost back up a minute. So conditions, conditions matter. One in this range, wind. You gotta manage the wind. If you're not gonna manage the wind here, you're not gonna get hits. It's not like Alaska. Alaska's like the worst case you're going to hold left edge of plate. Oh, the best we, case for training, but... Right, you know. right. But here we were learning wind. Well, a great example is I went through and trued everybody's computer. And Will's a great example because I went and took care of Will's computer. And Will was hitting... He hit the smallest plate on the KYL rack, which was microscopic. And he's nailing all these targets. I even trued his computer. Then really quickly, I walked him out on some plates. And I said, Will, make sure you use what the computer says now and shoot. Well, then yesterday afternoon when you started seeing the Mirage with them, he, and you talked to people about this, they immediately started thinking something was wrong. Yes, because everybody started striking high. Right. And so all of a sudden, it's like, my dope's wrong. This is wrong. That is wrong. No, the conditions changed. The mirage, because the wind started coming behind us. Now it's pushing straight against the hill we're shooting at. Which is really tricky. Right. And then it's yeah. lifting, because it's hitting these hills, it's lifting the mirage up even higher because it's following the course of the hill. And so guys like Mark was saying that, you know, somebody who's flat or closer, you might see four tenths, but we saw as much as eight tenths of Mirage and immediately everybody starts talking about their dope. Okay. And this is going to play into the part I wanted to talk about with the windage and me making wind calls for shooters because it's the same thing, only different. So we have this external atmospheric condition, Mirage. It's, it got hot in Sunday afternoon. I mean, we had like rain and overcast Friday. We had good cloudy skies and, and you know, scattered uh, sun on Saturday. What did it get to me? Maybe 82 on yeah. Saturday. Wonderful and, day. And yeah. then Sunday, no clouds, no nothing, 95 degrees. Okay. Well, that's like 
perfect to learn from because the ideal conditions is that rainy overcast kind of scattered rain. That's neutral as you're going to get. So Sunday we get the clouds and you might get a little mirage, but it never really got super, super hot. So it wasn't thick or big, but there is rain in the area. So you got moisture in the air. We had a storm last night as well. When we left the range, a storm was coming in. So clearly we have moisture in the air. And then you get Sunday, heavy mirage with the winds, and it's moving these bullets around because you're not seeing what you think you're looking at. And so now go to the wind calls. And what I explained on the line, so with a 2 MOA plate and a 1 MOA plate going all the way out to 1240, your wind call's got to be pretty tight. And it's tricky with the terrain to spot the misses the way you want to. Not every target has a good background. Some, uh, matter of fact, not one, not many, hardly any of the Yeah, maybe three yeah. out of 12, you know, from two to 1,200, maybe three have something behind it well enough that you're going to record, you know, be able to see the bullet, make the impact from what you saw. Otherwise, the ground might be 30 to 50 yards uneven behind the target. So where you saw the splash is an optical illusion, right? So you have to know and watch Trace and see what's going on when they miss in the wind. Well, I'm working their wind. And in this class, like Mark said, we had a variety of shooters. And I just put an article up on Sniper's Hide called The Tale of Two Shooters. Lefties and righties, because we had two lefties in the class. And it was cool because, like, Brian was a really good shot, second-time student, left-handed. Then you had Eric was a new student. He's right-handed, excellent shot, doctor, vet, the whole thing. Chris, been to the class multiple times, a good shooter, known quantity. Then Brent, one of your coon guys, who was a lefty, who was a newest shooter. Right, but still, and then we go on from there. Everybody else in the class was a righty. Well, I'm making wind calls and I'm trying to just gauge the pattern, you know. So you go down the line and you say, okay, hold me half mil, hold me a half mil, hold me 0.3, do this. And then you're kind of just translating that to the next shooter. Well, for Brian to hit this particular target in about an 8 to 12 mile an hour win, we're going to say he needed 0.8 a win. I get to Eric, and he uses 0.5. I get to Chris, he uses 0.4. And I get to Brent, and he uses 1.2. Now, why do I have a 0.5 and 0.4 on the right-handed shooters and a 0.8 and a 1.2 with the lefties? Because they push the right. Heavy influence, always. Always a heavy-headed influence. In fact, I switched Brian's bipod out to my Atlas Cal. And what we'll do with the lefties, and you switched the bipod out, didn't you, for yes, Brent? Yes, yes, to a Thunderbeast. Yep, to a Thunderbeast. And what we do with the lefties is we rotate the rifles, not center, not straight, but slightly inboard for them, and then lock it hard. Slight right can't, because they're going to push on it anyway. Right. So when their head pushes it, they actually push it straight. Now, we see this with some right-handed people, but generally speaking... In our methodology, it's super easy to fix a right-handed shooter. <coughs> I mean, lefties are witches. They are hardly ever straight, and it takes a lot of effort to get them in a good place. Although we are seeing better lefties more and more because they're starting to understand and they're starting off straighter than they normally would. But lefties throw a lot of weird influence into the rifle. Because their body position is normally messed up. It, it, watch a lefty shoot. Look at them from a body position. If they are trying to be straight, they sometimes have a bow in the middle at their hips. They'll uh, even um, was Chris a lefty? Chris was a lefty. Yes. We had K three Chris lefties. Chris with a K was a lefty. We young, had three. Young blood, I called it. Yes, he had a bow. Yeah. But he didn't have cant as bad. Oh, he kind of did though. Yeah. He still canted a little bit. But um, oh, I had three lefties. I almost messed my article up. But anyway. Um, Chris had a little bit of a bow in him, intended to shove his body to the right a little bit. When he when he got, um, you know, sort of... Comfortable. Not, right. When he got comfortable, he would shift to the right. Yep. And so that messes the wind call up. So think about this. We, we Mark, you, and we'll, you, I'm going to let you talk about the bags and diving in the bags again because you were using your bags a lot. 
but it's the same effect we see with guys hinging and diving in the bag when they shoot over the target. The lefty will push on the rifle and have a bigger win call than the righty. And so that's, that's a thing, man. But your bags, man, they worked well. They worked again. I brought a bucket of bags down here, and, and uh, guys showed up with bags. Other guys were envious because they didn't have them, so they bought them. Anyway, the whole line wound up, not the whole line, but, but most of the line wound up with a, with a Taylor was here rear bag, and, and they're just working, man. That's just the way it is. They're working. Um, I mean, we see the elevation issues, and, and a good example of this, and I told Mark this, because so we, we did the podcast from Alaska. He's talking about the bags and how people will create a hinge or not have a firm grasp on the rear bag. Like and that's when using, the trouble begins. Right. If they're using a bigger bag that they can't necessarily manipulate, even a big game, big heavy game changer, a lot of them don't really, they just put the rifle on the bag, so when it pushes and recoils, because they're not squeezing the bag like a game changer as much, it's gonna move that sand out of the way and the and the butt of the rifle is gonna sink in that bag. That's gonna create corruption in your data. Okay, drop we, we demonstrate this with drop all the time. Well, what I was telling Mark is last week I did a short, small little class with Chris Way. He had two competitive shooters. And in his way of doing things, he, he figures you're a competitive shooter. He meets you at the, at the competition. He says, hey, come on out. We're going to do a Craft USA Universal Skills Assessment with you, and then we're going to go through our process. And that's like, okay, cool. Well, one of the shooters didn't have – like he was missing targets, and he was missing elevation-wise. And so his dope wasn't really good. So I said to him, and I used what Mark's weaponized math and with the drop charts – I actually grabbed the weaponized math sheet, um, one of the ones I had, and I told him to fill out, because he was using a computer. I said, listen, dude, fill out your dope on this sheet right here. Yeah, in the drop column. And then do the drop column. And what I found is the guy had three flat spots. He had a flat spot at like three and four. He had a flat spot at like six and seven. And he had a flat spot at like nine and a thousand. And I'm like, that's not right, man. Yeah. You cannot have flat spots in your dope like this because it's a curve. It's an arc. It should be like, you know, 0.6 to 0.8, then 0.8 to 10, then like 10 to 12, then like 12 to 14. And it grows. It usually goes like a tenth to tenth and then, you know, up from there. And we use drop, which you need to kind of get over because uh, Will correspond, looked at his drop. Figured the pattern, hit center line on everything from onto twelve forty yeah, yeah. on the twelve forty yeah. by extrapolating one point six. Wasn't did you guys use? 1. Yeah, 6 we used one six, and he extrapolated his drop in the pattern, and so he didn't have his computer set yet. He didn't have dope yet. And we had to shoot eleven and twelve. Well, our weaponized math only goes to a thousand, right? The way we have it. So I said to him, I said, look at the pattern in drop, look at how it's trending. So let's put a number on, and, and Will and I looked at it. He says, how about 1415? I said, now nah, let's try 1-6 because we're going a little extra. 1-6 gave him a center line hit, and all he had to do was look at the pattern on dope he didn't have and even without a computer. And we did that across the board, and we were able to finesse people easier because once Mark did his drop class, that – Put a light bulb Chris, on. Tall Chris, your fifth time student, the fifth time student Chris. Yeah. With a C. He said it was his voila moment. He said this put it all together for him. Remember yesterday? Yes, oh, absolutely. During the debrief, he mm -hmm. said this was my moment where it all came together. Once we went over the drop, everything clicked for him. And so there you go. You got a fifth time student, keeps coming back, and he's getting better every time, and he's enjoying himself every time. But this time we had something special for him. Well, because we're changing slightly. We're yeah, not changing yeah. big. We're changing small, but we're changing in meaningful ways. But this really, it, yeah. it, it is a game changer. It's a it, total it, game it, changer. It's, it, gets, so it, it, it makes people understand their dope. They can recognize their pattern. They've processed their dope themselves in simplistic ways. How hard is it to take your Kestrel out? Or not your Kestrel, I'm sorry. Uh, how is it to take your iPhone out or your Android and go 1.0 times 1.75, 
right? You could do that in your head. But I mean, you know, and then you go 1.6 times 1.45. That's your 500-yard dope. You know what I mean? Whatever you hit the previous yard line at, you use our multiplier. It's a real number. And, and, it's, then, and then once we gather those, those, the, the data, then we go back and we go, hey, what's the difference between your 3 and 4? 0.7. Hey, what's the difference between your 4 and 5? 0.8. What's the difference between your 5 and 6? Point nine. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing a pattern here? Yeah. And, and the pattern keeps growing. It'll grow larger the farther out we go. Right. But now they go, oh, I get it. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just, it's a light Because we put a value to the gravity offset. Yep. And we simplified it. You know? And this doesn't, and, and this, because it's gravity and we're doping the gravity with a number, this explains, that's not aerodynamic jump. That's you fucked up. I just saw a guy today. Um, in Ted's speed drop thread. And he's like, speed drop works. And he goes, and at the very end, he did his pros and cons. And he's like, I love speed drop. It works. I did this. I did this. And then he had his cons. He said, you have to manage your own aerodynamic jump. What is that? And I just laughed my fucking ass off. I'm like, dude, are you out of your fucking mind? You're managing. We, do we ever talk about aerodynamic jump, Coriolis no. or spin drift? No. I know How what are you're our talking hits? About, but no. yeah. How yeah. are our hits? Dead on the water line. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't stress about that. Yeah, yeah, we don't talk about it, and that's why everybody brings it up when they miss. The the a, a shooter said to me, like today, or yesterday, you know, well, when I missed in the wind like that, was that spin drift? Everybody, you know, and and I'm not taking away from Brian and not trying to do, but he puts too much effort in it. All those drifts together, if you take your Coriolis aerodynamic jump and all your spin drifty stuff, if you put all that stuff together and say, that's going to affect my shot at 800 yards, it's 1.25% of your elevation. So tell me if you can even dial that with your 800-yard dope. No. But that's what they, people read his books and come away thinking that's what they were missing. That's all they needed to think about to get the hit they didn't have yesterday. I missed because of aerodynamic jump by elevation. Not that they sunk in the bag. Not they created a hinge. Not that they went over the target because they they, they angled back. They're and ignoring down. the things that really matter. Right. Instead, it was aerodynamic jump. Let me tell you something. Yes, I've seen lift. We have lift here because the wind can get underneath the bullet, hit off the hill, and pick it up. That's not aerodynamic jump. That's the wind getting under the bullet and lifting it. On my range, you don't see aerodynamic jump because it's really, really, really hard. I don't hear, I don't hear them blaming aerodynamic no. fall. Right. Okay, which would be wind from the opposite direction. Exactly. They're not blaming that. They're just nobody, blaming the jump. You know so why? Just gonna blame because the jump. nobody shoots low. They shoot high because yeah. of what you Because of their, their bags. bags. Yeah. Nobody shoots low. They shoot and high. And blames anything. Right. They just come up. Right. They, they shoot low. They go, oh, I need another tenth or two. And they come up. But if they shoot high now, that's a big problem. I mean, you'd have to have a pretty noticeable flinch to shove into the rifle yeah. to, to overcome a metal bipod. you know bipod. what? There are a lot of flinchers out there. There are right? a lot of flinchers. You know, we when, see we catch, when we catch a click... How did I fix uh, David? He was flinching with his brake and his TRG. What did I do to him? We put extra ears on him. I, what I did, David was flinching bad. I put foamies under his ear pro and doubled his ears, and he stopped flinching. He had a TRG 22, 308, monster break. Well, the TRG break. The TRG it just, break. All it does is create a lot of noise, but it's the smoothest rifle on the planet. Guys, if you own one of those, use it, man. It's a smooth, beautiful rifle. It shoots really well. He shot all the way to 1240. Yep. You know, I mean, he, he didn't suffer. He, come to find out, he was using 168. Yeah, and he didn't you suffer know? at all uh, once no. we got him tuned up. But, but, but basically, if you can cover up that sound... If not with a suppressor, then with extra ears, you're going to flinch less. You're going to react less to the drop of the yeah. uh, firing pin. But for people to hit low and to sort of shove their shoulder into the rifle to overcome a bipod in the front is pretty rare. You know what I mean? Most people pull back and drop in the bag and shoot high, hence the prevalence of aerodynamic jump today. Right. You know, and then the same thing. Lefties and righties, canting the rifle, pushing heavy-headed, which we see in every class on both sides of the aisle, left and right. We see heavy-headed people, and when you have a heavy-headed right-handed person, he wants to know if that's spin drift. 
you know? And it's no, these things are microscopic. We have a variable eight to 12 mile an hour wind. Do you think your spin drift is showing up in that at six and 800 yards, even a thousand and eleven hundred? Did you shoot with the eight or did you shoot with the 12? Right, exactly. So you didn't call, you don't know exactly whether you shot with the eight or the 12. You don't know that it was the 12 that caused the jump. Right. The, uh, right. Get real. Just get real, guys. And, I mean, get and real. with the Chris Way yeah. stuff we're doing with his USA, we're seeing people on average is a three to four mile an hour wind caller. And these drifts are equivalent to a one mile an hour change in wind. So if you're a three or four mile an hour wind caller, of <clears> course <throat> you're seeing this stuff appear because you're messing the wind up by three to four miles an hour. So your fluctuation is gonna show up. Where if you were a one mile an hour wind caller, well then maybe you wanna start dialing on some of this stuff because it might appear if you're shooting a microscopic target. But that's the other thing. In a two MOA plate, you're not gonna see it. In a one MOA plate, you're not gonna see a 10th. You know what I mean? Are you gonna see- Especially if the plate's shot up. Right, Are you? yeah. Are you gonna see a 10th of spin drift in a, in a plate that's six tenths wide? Probably not, you know? And so that's the issue that I have with that. I mean, even the one MOA plate was three tenths. So, you know, it's do the wind, do the wind. That's why we're doing wind classes. That's why we're doing these things. That's why we fix the shooter to the degree we do and Mark's hammering on you so then your only wild card is the wind. And it's not these drifts and it's not these things you, you know that you see that are part of the number. And, and, and Brian had asked me that. He says, you know, what about these things and that thing? I said, well, listen, Brian, if we're doping with weaponized math and you need 7.4 to hit that thousand yard target, 7.4 is the answer. It's not 7.4 plus aerodynamic jump, Coriolis, and spin drift. It's already there. It's already there. So then if you're truing the computer to it, the computer's already considered it in that number, which is why I turn that stuff off and I can demonstrate success. When everybody else is saying, Frank's wrong, don't listen to him, he's denying science, you know, I'm a climate change denier. Uh, weather changes every fucking day. Every hundred years. Yep. And, and yeah, in fact, Florida's high goes back a hundred years. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and, and what they were saying, I like, I saw one the other day to get into the, that kind of thing real funny. There was the climate, because cli they're going to use climate to fuck us right now. Dust and Bowl back in the 20s? Yeah. Anybody? Uh -huh. Dust, the Dust Bowl, remember how yeah. all the farmers collapsed? Right. Well, he says to the woman who was the pro, you got to, you know, we got to, we got to destroy this country because of climate change. And he says to this woman, what's the percentage of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere right now? And she don't know. He goes, well, you're telling me carbon dioxide and methane and all this is the number one driver of this problem. What's the number? She don't know. He says 0.04%. And he goes, and of that 0.04%, humans account for 3% of that. Fuck off, lady. Yeah. You don't have a clue. You're just spouting shit. Al Gore said we should already be underwater. No, we're not. 2020, if you go back to inconvenient truth, we should have already been underwater. We're not. So this is the same thing. I'm not denying the science. I'm just saying the science has its context, and we're a bigger influence than the, 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 the science. You know what I mean? The science is there. I get it. But it's micro-fucking-scopic. Science changes. Math don't. Right. Math is fine. And you know what? Your weaponized math proves yep. it doesn't matter because you dope gravity and it's consistent. And the fact that it works for every bullet that's zeroed at 100 yards. We, are we going to start hearing about carbon dioxide jump? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carbon dioxide jump. Yeah, it's we a little will. bit hazy out here today. Well, because somebody wants to come up with a scientific term to explain why they missed the shot. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. They need a piece of science to explain why they missed the shot. They don't want to say, my fundamentals are bad, my body position was off, I moved in the bag. I borrowed Chris's bag when I shot my Valkyrie. I didn't want to go walk down to my car and go get my bag. So I walked down the line, and Will only had a tall tab gear. Then when I, Brian didn't have a second bag, he had one of those little ones or something, yeah, something weird. Stupid bag. And then Chris had... 
one of those beer can round ones that was tall enough. And I said, I can get away with that. I picked up his bag and I went over. Um, Jake was on the scope for me. And I said, Jake, I'm going to shoot. I, I got to read. I had to redope my Valkyrie. My numbers were completely wrong. I was fucked. I had, a, I had something weird in my Valkyrie data, um, even from when I shot COVID. Carbon dioxide. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I redoped it. So I shot all the one MOA plates. And I said to Jake, I said, all right, I'm shooting this 500 yard plate. And he goes, oh, man, you just went over it. And I said, yeah, I, I, I felt myself sink in the bag. Because I couldn't get my hand around that big beer can. It's more of the coffee can style. And it's got those little lightweight beads. They're not heavy, yeah. heavy beads. They're, in the, you in know, the K-Pox suit, it, it's a thing uh, for insulated suit for yes, uh, astronauts. K-Pox. K-Pox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's those kind of, that's the fill in there. Right, like right. It's like a k And the bead shifted. And because I pay attention to it, but I still had a squeeze on the bag, the bead shifted and I felt it. And I said to him, I said, no, I got to redo that because the bag shifted on me. And all I said was, the bag shifted. I reshot it without changing my dope and hit. And then when I went back, retrieved the computer and tested it, I hit. You know what I mean? And so me recognizing my bag shifted, I didn't adjust my dope. Right. You know, and that would cause a corruption somewhere else where if my bag doesn't. <laughs> it would have caused a corruption in the next yard. Yes, too. in the next yeah. one. And weaponized math points that out. I mean, that's why we explain, we go through all the weaponized math. We shoot everybody, we dope them out to a thousand yards. When that's done, we bring everybody back to zero. We check their scopes, make sure everything's good because we're working the turrets. Well, then Mark goes into the drop class and that outlines and lets everybody do that. Now we start finding corruption in the guys where we may not have seen where they made a mistake. So why is this guy corrupt? Well, obviously he moved in the back. And so then we go back and fix those yard lines. And sure enough, they now have more experience. They've now been hammered on for the hammer forge fundamentals more because it's later in the day, later in the class process. And what happens? They shoot better and it fixes it. Now they tighten it up. Because early on, when they shot maybe four and five on Friday, they still weren't 100%. Then on Saturday morning, they shot four or five again, and they're still not quite 100%. But by the time they get to the eight, nine, and a thousand, they're much better shooters. And come back to the four and five, they it changes come, a little bit because right. their fundamentals are changing also. Yes. Yep. And so, it's not a one day, two day, three day process, gentlemen. You have to take, and ladies, you have to take it beyond that. We just provide the fundamentals and we get you to the point, the releasing point, when we release you back to the, into the public, you have to take this with you and maintain yeah. the same level. If you, if you lose it, like what I told them, you know, we get guys come back two and three and four, and I guess five times now. What I expect to see in the initial eval when you guys come back is, is acing it. I want right. to hand you, you a blank sheet of paper. You want to see the final eval yeah. and their initial exactly. eval when they come I mean, back. So something is is slipping in the year that you take off before you see us again. Because I want to start handing back sheets like, bam, A plus, aced it. I got nothing to say. And to those guys who I know are, are, are uh, multiple-time students, I, I write, come on, man. You know, like, come on, man. You're, mm-hmm. you're, let, you're letting me down only a little bit, but I, I, I released you last time better than this. I want to see better than this next time you come back. So, so guys, strive to, like, not disappoint. Yeah. You know? Well, but yeah. it's it's practice. It's it's repetitions. Yeah. It's a perishable skill. That's what it comes down to. This is a perishable skill, which is why people come back. Which in in it's one that needs to be fine tuned, finessed, and tailored. You know, um, a hundred reps in a weekend, or hundred and sixty, or whatever the number round count. Hundred this time. We we buried these guys in brass. Yeah, man. We well, we were shoot. We were having so much fun, and they were shooting yeah. stuff and on their own. But let's just say you go to a class with 180 round count. 180 reps is a percentage of what they say creates a new skill. If they tell you to create a new neural pathway, you need 3,000 reps. To fix a bad habit, you need 9,000 reps. That would be 9,000 rounds you shot coming back to fix the problem we identified for you in order to perfect it. We know people aren't shooting that much. You know what I mean? So, it, it, well, I don't shoot that much. 
No, me but neither. I come back and I do the same thing over and right. over. And but, we keep telling guys on day three, we're not any better than you. We're just very much more consistent than you. Yeah. We do the same thing over and over again the same way. And we're not, I mean, it's why on my fundamental sheet, I have multi-placement, multi-press. Because we see people address the shoe multiple ways in a five-shot string. Their finger is never in the same place twice on the trigger shoe. As well, they never press the trigger the same way. So not only do they have their finger in a different location, they have their press doing something different than the shot before. You know what is causing a lot of this finger problems are these swept grips, Frank. If you're going to buy a rifle and you're going to put some money into this rifle, if, if, they, if they issued you a $6 AR pistol grip, let that be the first thing that you remove and replace it with I don't care. A straight Magpul. Pull, Magpul. I don't care. I don't care who makes it. There's some really great stuff out there. But get yourself a grip that is closer to vertical, if not vertical. The TRG is vertical. And we all got it. We all, mm -hmm. when we get behind a TRG, it's like you're melting to the damn thing. And so get something that resembles that. But these swept grips are causing problems because they push guys' finger, they cause them to have to choke up. It becomes right. more like a hunting rifle. Yes. And in the, all the hun hunting rifles, without exception, we have to force a guy to choke up every time. Every time he comes to the line for the next yard line, choke up, choke up, choke up. And, you, and your second joint in your trigger finger needs to be a 90-degree angle. If order for you to do that with your particular rifle, it may force you to choke up. And that's sometimes it's easier, and we promote, float the thumb. Flip that thumb over, choke up and get in there, and have that 90-degree trigger or change the grip that gives you a little bit more yeah um you know that that same thing but yeah i, was, I mean we're we're changing people pretty dramatically in a lot of ways let's talk about magazines yes oh my god i was just gonna say that we need to, i gotta call <laughs> fucking people out man i dude i'm gonna call it's you getting out. ridiculous i i think qc is slipping Something is slipping, Frank, because we're having a ton of magazine problems that we didn't have two and three years ago. Yes. They're not low. They're not feeding. Even mine. My magazine, I showed you. Um, this weekend, my magazine is not working. And I'm going to call you guys out. I love you guys. I, I just spent 1300 bucks. I didn't even try to get a deal. I've been buying on your website. So I'm not calling you directly and saying, hey, man, do me a favor. Give me what I need. I just bought a stock from you. MDT, your fucking plastic mags are fucking up. Yep. And, and it, there's no way around it. My, my 224 mags don't work. Uh, they jam up in the middle, and, they, and then the rounds just rattle around in there. You and actually shook your, shook your magazine and it was rattling. They're rattling, and yeah. they won't come out. And they won't come up. The follower won't come up. They're hanging up inside. Brent's were going sideways in there and then hanging up. Instead of coming through sort of the pointed channel in the front of the magazine, they were kicking sideways. And it's plastic, so you can't manipulate it with no, a No, uh, he, he was out of his a mind. plier. I usually go after mine with a plier or something if mm -hmm. I notice a problem. But that's because it's steel. Once it's plastic, you got what you got. And if it, if it shakes loose or does whatever, we're starting to have to add tape to people's magazines to get them to stay in the mag well in a consistent place that provides a good feed. Right, right. I mean, we're doing... We're, we're, like Mark said, Mark's taping up mags to hold them in place so they'll feed better. They won't drop down a little. They won't do this, won't do that. But we're putting out so many magazines, the QC's suffering. And it, it got to the point where Brent's were brand new MDT mags, and he was single feeding on yeah. Sunday because it was so frustrating. We're trying to teach a guy. We're trying to learn. Jam. Jam. Double feed, jam, jam. No feed. No Cause, feed. Because it's, it's just, yeah, it's it, tipping up. Yeah, they're not even coming up. Oh, right over the top. Yep. You know, because the followers stopped coming up. We saw a ton up. of flinch this time because we saw a ton of... Mag's of, not of, right. Of mag, and I, I'm going to let you ride over an empty chamber. I know Frank's back there looking, but I don't want to tell Frank because it, it's going to... I want to see the flinch, whether, there's there, whether it's there or not. I got tons of opportunity this class. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and it was magazines which were giving us empty chambers for guys, which were allowing us to see problems. Yeah. But MDT, man, you guys got to get on the QC a little bit. 
you got to, I mean, your metal mags, I got no drama with. They, I'm using some of the metals too. In fact, I, I had mentioned when I created the, um, the AX is now a Valkyrie. I used your six dasher or your six arc mag, your six millimeter arc mag with the metal one. I had to trim it a little bit so the bolt didn't hit the feed lips up, up top, but it's perfect. It works. It feeds. Your 223 mag is a tiny bit tight, but it'll work. It'll feed. That's the metal one. The plastic Valkyrie mags that I just got are terrible and barely feed, and I'll end up with three rounds inside the mag that are rattling that around. That can't get out. That can't get. Well, yeah, you got to turn them upside down, bang yep. them out, and then knock the follower to come back up. Um, it's it's a process. Figure and, it out, guys. Figure yeah, it out. man. And you guys got great grips too. Your vertical grips. Are I love that one. Yes. I, I got behind that right. Yeah, I yes. love that one. The MDT grips are great. I mean, the stock. I and just does, does that replace an AR grip one yes. to one? Mm -hmm. The MDT. Look at MDT for those grips because I love that vertical grip. Yep. It's got a thumb shelf. Uh huh. Yeah, you can get some. It of has that. everything, man. Yeah, I put one on my um my vision, and and all that. But anyway, it's I like I said I I got that de facto came in from um. Uh, ultimatum so my de facto arrived last week and barreled action i bought a, a green hunting 26 stock i love that stock that little hunting 26 is a nice little tiny stock to do some stuff with um and so i have my deuce in it and i have my de facto in that hunting stock and and i love it and like my terminus one of them uh, the one uh lore shooting is is in an ACC, which for comps, the ACC, love that stock. Excellent stock. I like what you guys are doing, but you got to kind of tune your QC up a little on these magazines because they're, they're, they're wildly out of space. What I think I'm, I made the comment yesterday. China's going to kick our ass on magazines alone. Yeah. Because we're getting all these damn uh, on empty chamber. Mm -hmm. You know, click, the, the click of death. Yeah, the click of death. Yeah, I, we, we're getting so much of that now. It's It was very distracting, this game, this this uh, this cycle. And mm. honestly, like, we're, we're not hyping. You can see the frustration in the shooter's face. Yeah. And it takes them off task. And it's, a, a shooter, in our context, is in student mode. He's got me squatting down in front of him. You know, my balls are hanging in front of me. I'm right there with him. I'm in his space. Right. And and so he's already in student mode. Well, you guys all know what student mode feels like. You feel like a student, and you feel like you have to perform. And then when you get a little bit of frustration, it starts compounding, you know, and then your errors start compounding. So let's remove that. And, and equipment matters. Get this stuff out and make sure it works ahead of time. Uh, make sure you've got a good, tight fit in your mag well. If you got any rattling around, you can fix that with a little tape. You know, my AICS mags on my Ruger Precision Rifle, which is a total tack driver, I put a little tape on them so that they jam up in there and they don't rattle. Any rattle is going to be yeah, a it's problem down the road. Okay. It's, it's, it's going to be a problem down the road. So just, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say be Gucci with duct tape. You know I'm a duct tape whore. But, but basically, if you put an inch of duct tape on the back, and we did it to a couple AIs, didn't we? The yeah, ATX? The, the, well, because the... Um, the ATXs, we had two brand new ATXs in the class. Brian had it, uh, Will and Dion. They're brand new okay. Elite Sand yeah, ATXs, yeah. brand new. Um, Will's just showed up. And both of them, the back of the mag it drops down. Bit. It drops so down I, about an eighth yeah. of an inch and they ride over the bolt. Just under that little lip that's back there on the back of the mag, I put about an inch wide and, and uh, round from one side to the other. And it fixed it. it yeah, it jammed up in there now, and it held it. They in place. were they were riding over the rounds quite a bit, and they were blaming the mag. And they're like, "This mag sucks. This mag sucks." I said, "What are you talking about? It's an AI mag. What's your problem?" And they're and they were kind of getting, you know, AI mag sucks. I'm like, "No, I've never had issue with AI mag. I'm riding over it. I'm riding over it. It's wrong." And I said, "Well, let me go look at he it." He was right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what? It, but it's the latch. Yeah. The latch needs to be about a millimeter taller or so. Whatever the number is to give it, it needs to bring the back of the magazine up about an eighth of an inch. You could see it in the chamber because we had like great sun was pointing right in the chamber for mm -hmm. me. And I was able to look at it because Sunday after Saturday night, we're having a great time Saturday night. Um, heck, Ryan made us pie and cobbler. Oh, don't get me off topic. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Finish your little Anyway. Um, <laughs> and so we had a great time, but they were bitching about their AIs. And, you know, well, I expected better. I expected more. And they know I'm an AI guy. 
And and the ATX has had some drama. The AT, there's been some issues, and, and I don't want to get too deep, but there's big threads on the hide about it. And I kind of got my ass in trouble a little bit mentioning, you know, the, the, the trigger stuff that happened in Wyoming. And so I'm avoiding it. But when I, you know, when these guys saw it and they're riding over and they're, fuck, riding over, and you hear them. And it's like, let me look. So first thing Sunday morning, I looked. And in fact, we did Wills because Dion was like 15 minutes late. And um, you fixed Wills. And then Dion showed up, and then I grabbed him and told him to get with you to fix his. Mm-hmm. And so a, a single piece of tape on the mag fixed the problem yeah. and gorilla tightened tape. it right Not up in tape, there. Gorilla tape. But, I've moved on from duct. Yeah, tape. but what what the issue is, the latch in the magazine notch location it needs to push it up about an eighth of an inch, and that way you'll avoid the back of the mag being down. And then the bolt riding over. And I asked him, I'm like, dude, odds are you're short stroking. And they're like, no, we don't think we're short stroking. So I said, let me, and I looked and they weren't short stroking. It, the mag, back of the mag absolutely was down an eighth of an inch. So, I mean, these are the things we look at in the, what you got to understand with the way we do our class. The instructor's not behind the student just on glass where you never see what that guy's doing. Mark's in their face. Mark's seeing everything they're doing. Even if he's standing up off to the side, he's watching the guy while he's shooting, while I'm spotting. I'm giving the illusion that I'm that I'm, right. I'm, I'm walking around or doing something, but actually I'm like, as soon as he touches it wrong, I'm like, too much trigger, yep. too much trigger, come out of the trigger. Yeah, yeah. so we're watching every shot. So we're able to say, you did it right. Why was that wrong? And that's what other people don't look at. Everybody else just wants to golf clap the hit. You know, hey, guided tour. There's your 800. There's your 900. There's your 1,000. Oh, look, you hit it. You know, we don't do that. We're not even really like, you know, we'll tell them at the end, hey, man, that was an excellent group, excellent shot. You hit here and here and you did this. I'll tell guys to give them that boost of confidence. But honestly, I'm just bringing them to center and I'm making sure their wind calls are good and all that stuff. And then I'm helping them understand what they just saw, you know, but it's not and just... It sounded like I'm intense, but I'm not intense. No, just, no. I'm just getting the job. I'm just not letting up. Dude, and I'm it's hammer forged. Yeah, you're yeah. not, you're not, yeah. you're relentless. And we're not disrespectful anyway. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just is what it is. I'm just calling what I see. Even on day three, I'll call what I see. I mean... See, you know? Being relentless in your instruction because the student... We got is, thanked. Yeah. I said, that's what you paid for. I mean, it's, it, would you rather pay for a class where a guy gives you a four-hour presentation, zeroes your stuff and says, all right, I want your group to look like this on paper. Doesn't care how you get it. Just wants the group to look a certain way. Then he takes you out to steal and he wants you to hit it. And then from there, he says success. Instead of saying mechanically, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're thinking wrong here, you're doing, you know what I mean? We're, we're giving you a path. So when you walk away from here, it, it's, I, I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, Ryan, we want to give a shout pie, out to Ryan. Pie. pie. We had we all kinds. We got pie, of- we had cobbler. Ryan showed up. There was a little, there's a little bit of ownership drama going on at the Broadway Steakhouse here yep, in Imperial. Yep. There's some drama going on, but uh, Ryan heard we were coming back. So he showed up, drinks were flowing, steaks were being burned on the, uh, I mean, uh, grilled on the grill, not burned, and, and basically charred. They were, they were perfect, and everything, and then he started making pies. He started buying and making pies Dude, and he cobblers. Made at the, he made a cobbler the at the cobbler. bar. Yeah. While he's serving us, he made a cobbler. It cooked Went while in we- in the oven. In, yeah. in the oven. It came out hot. Yeah, and he gave it to us. Yeah. He said, this is on me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the- kind of atmosphere we create we become friendly with these locations we 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 make friends we bring the students in we we all eat together meet together and it's it's not hey day's over we're gonna go in a secret location because we're not gonna hang with the students not everybody meets at seven right here everybody's gonna eat everybody's gonna drink everybody's gonna have fun we're gonna talk about the day we're gonna talk about products you know should i shouldn't i buy this buy that and honestly, I'm pretty fucking brutally honest with these people. Hell, I got yelled at by the SEAL in Alaska 
the the one the the crazy guy um because he was standing there when a, a guy in the comp said, "Hey, I just bought this. What do you think of it?" And I said, "I wish you hadn't." Yeah. And the fucking guy threw a monster fit because that's what I said to somebody when they asked me what I thought of the product they bought. Yeah, that's his problem. Yeah, but anyway, but I mean, we talk about that stuff in an <laughs> honest way. And if I hurt your feelings, hey man, I'm sorry about that. And I explained in the beginning of the class. It's like, listen, we're here to guide you on your journey. And that journey includes buying products. And if your product, if, if we're seeing a problem with a product class after class, to me, that's a red flag. It should one to either be addressed by the manufacturer, looked at and, and, and repaired, or it's telling me that the manufacturer don't care. They just want to make money and move on if to the, the next If the manufacturer thing. don't want to know about it, which we have some that don't. Right. Then, then what do you what do you say about that? I Go mean, to the next thing. They There's, should be thanking me right. for pointing out their deficiencies instead of instead of hammering me, telling me I'm doing it wrong. I mean, we're intimate you know? with these people. We're in their space, <clears throat> and we see things other and, people don't. If you're standing in a spotter behind a shooter, you don't see shit. Yeah, we're not we're not uh, publishing outcomes anymore from the scope tracking test, but we're still doing the scope tracking test. Yeah, and your 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 customers are still seeing what we're seeing, so just know that manufacturers know that. Yeah, and, and we don't publish it no more, yeah, but we still do game. it. I mean, because we have to know. We well, how many cans do you fix in a class? That the, a third, the rings a third a third of the students when we take their scope off, put it on our tool, are canted in the rings. How are you going to know that unless you look? If a third of a twelve-person class is canted in the rings, and this is every class. This isn't this class, not that class. This is every class. A third are canted. Imagine our problems in three days. Right. If we've got a guy canting and you're well, calling wind. Because you're tightening, you're tightening the screws down, and maybe it bites and pulls the thing over a little bit. It's not big, but it's enough to cause an effect. I mean, little bitties at that scope, little tiny shit, is a big thing downrange because all the movement in the scope is microscopic you know it's it's tiny and so that's why we fix that stuff but yeah i mean we're, we're trying to set these people up for success and explain from the very beginning we're going to try to expand nebraska a little bit next year yeah uh, maybe later this year but this year is pretty set you know but but we're, we're going to try to expand nebraska you might even be bringing the cup here you know yeah know. i'm talking about I, yeah. i'm gonna i haven't mentioned this but i'm gonna Next year is the 20th anniversary of the Sniper's Hide Cup. And I think I want to go out with a bang. And I was talking about Cameo. I talked away about Cameo, and I was going to reach out to them. But now with this magazine thing, although they're suing Colorado to dump the magazine ban after the Supreme Court, but our politicians in Denver threatened Cameo because they were having events with what they called high-capacity magazines and they're threatening them and making people sign basically affidavits to say your magazine wasn't bought after their ban. It's a pre-ban. Right, mag. a pre-ban mag. <laughs> so if you come from out of state and if you have a mag you bought this year, Colorado's saying that's illegal. But if you have a magazine that you bought 10 years ago, that's not. And that's bullshit. But this politician threatened them because they found out Cameo was having big events. So I still I wanted to do it and have the Sniper's Hide Cup at Cameo. But Jake's got a ton of property, great terrain, tricky conditions. And he's actually like a half hour less drive for me than going to Cameo. Mm -hmm. So if I come east rather than west and have a big giant Sniper's Hide Cup, I'm going out with a bang, see you later. Hey man, let's have this and go out well. Um, I think I'm going to go to Jake, man. Uh, it, it sounds like something I want to do. Lots of terrain. Lots of terrain. We can do blind stages. Plus, they shoot Wyco. Chad, his buddy, Jake, these guys, all in this area because they're close to Colorado, shoot Wyco. Wyco, Precision Rifle League Series, whatever you want to call it, is the best league in the country. I don't care what anybody wants to say. Fuck the East Coast, contrived bullshit, repetitive crap. The, the Wyoming, Colorado, Nebraska kind of guys right here, they're the best league in the country. 
with, with all their events. Practicality. Uh, yeah. Colin Fossen, Pete, all those guys are knocking it out of the friggin' park. If you want to go to a match and do it right, you come to Wyco. So I could maybe do something with them with it and bring it in, but I want to keep it out here, out west, and, and sort of mirror a little bit of what they're doing. And that's why I'm considering the Cup for 2023 to be a giant blowout and host it here with Jake. Uh, like I said, I was considering Cameo, but I'm going to put handgun in it. So if I'm going to have handgun in my cup, because I want you fighting to your rifle in certain moments, um, I don't want to have to deal with that guys have, you know, 17-shot fucking handguns and have to sign an affidavit. And I don't want to go through that because that's that's limiting people who will show up. Uh, so if we can get, get away from having to sign an affidavit, like I said, Jake's terrain is every bit as good. And he's got a dedicated car, uh, handgun carbine area that goes to 400 yards. He's got this blind terrain that can be blind. He's got canyons, valleys, hills. He's got wind. He's got all those conditions we're talking about. It's a field course, and that's where we're going to go. But, yeah, that's good, man. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Um, we're Next weekend, we're at Fort Morgan. Got a full class at Fort Morgan. Probably could take one more in case somebody wants to walk in. But uh, we got a pretty full line at Fort Morgan. Going to do that. And then I'm going to go back and start shipping bags again. So we'll go back into shipping mode in about a week, guys. Yep. So uh, then Iowa, Pennsylvania. Where else? We, uh, Ohio. Ohio. Ohio's, we're going to turn Ohio on, man. Ohio's going to be fun. That's going to be our East Coast. Yeah, I think we're going to make Ohio probably our East Coast where you want to come. Uh, it's not too bad a ride for anybody. It's off of 90 if you want to come from New York or New England. You just shoot across 90, and you're right there, or 84, and then cut up. Um, so there there you are for the guys that are on the East Coast. But um, I think Ohio is going to be a nice place for us to start building up. Uh, and it, it's good range, good conditions. We could start feeding Andrew well. Andrew was just in the New York Times. I didn't know that. Yes, a picture of him because he does – uh, teacher training for handgun classes because he's a, a law enforcement and all that. But yeah, he was just in the New York Times. But anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks everybody for coming, man. Thanks everybody for coming. Thanks, thanks to Jake and Marissa, Charlie, everybody. Uh, can't say, Barrett. Dude, can't that say enough, can't say enough about you guys coming back and seeing us again. You're going to learn something new every time you come. I mean, we don't just want returned students. We want new students, but, but we really appreciate you guys. Yeah, so. yeah. Thanks to J&M Precision. If you need anything out here, Jake's actually going to put a retail store in um, here in Imperial. Uh, he does suppressors. He builds gunsmith, all that stuff. Great dude. See Jake McDaniel if you need stuff. J&M Precision. Thank you, and we are out of here. <laughs>